We're talking about how to be led by the Holy Spirit. The name of this series is The Spirit-Led Life. We've been talking a lot about this, and in John chapter 16, verse 13, it's one of our foundational scriptures. It says, How be it, when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all the truth. Well, we know from John 17, 17, that the Bible says his word is truth. In John chapter 1, it says Jesus is the word. You cannot know Jesus without knowing the word, right? You can't know the word without knowing Jesus. You can't separate God from his word. And the mighty Holy Spirit, he's the one, he's the revealer. We could read this, but as we read the word, as we read our chapter every day, as we, as we study the Word of God, we have to rely completely on Him for us to see this. He has to open this for us. And oh, when the Word of God is opened, the entrance of His Word brings light. It's full of life. It's full of power. It tells us what's us and what's Him, right? It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. And the Word of God never passes away. So if God said it, you could put all of your trust in it because Jesus watches over his word to perform it. Isn't that good news? It also says in Romans chapter 8, another foundational scripture, it says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So we know that the mighty Holy Spirit, we have a right, but we also have a responsibility to be led by the Spirit of God. Tonight, the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. If you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, He's also upon you. But He's, he's there, He's down in your spirit to lead you and guide you into all the Word of God so that the Word will be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path so that you can know and discover God's will for your life so that you can discover who you are in him, all that he's done for you, all that he is to you. And as you are led by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit makes sure that you're always in the right place at the right time, with the right heart doing the right thing, right? This is big. It says in verse 16, it, it tells us now how the Holy Spirit leads us. It says the Spirit himself not itself, that Greek word means himself. If there's anything you get from this series on the Holy Spirit-led life, it's all about relationship. It's you walking, making a decision to walk in fellowship with him in his presence. It's all about relationship. That's why you keep hearing me say, this thing about being led by the Spirit of God, it's all about a sensitivity that you maintain. I am so sensitive to his wooing, his leading, his encouragement. I'm so sensitive. He's my counselor. He's my strengthener. He's standing by me as I'm ministering tonight. I feel his presence all around me. As I walk through my day, I feel his presence all around me. He's always ready to give me that word in due season to speak. It's amazing, the anointing. It changes me into an entirely different man. In every aspect of my life, he does this for you too. This is for all of his children. But the Holy Spirit himself bears witness with my spirit that I'm his child. God leads me. He guides me on the inside. I'm not moved by the outside. Oh, the outside circumstances of my life could be screaming failure, and I already know I'm more than a conqueror. And you can't, you can't change that, but what I know of God on the inside of me, and as I believe it in my heart and speak it out of my mouth, it brings his presence on the outside to change everything. And when I say on the outside, you might say, well, yeah, what about pain in my body? Yeah, but that's still on the outside. You're not a body, you live in one. You're a spirit, 
And your spirit is where the Holy Spirit abides. And so the pain in your body, sickness or disease that has no legal right there, you can deny its right, but not be moved by it while you're in that situation. Do you, do you understand that? The Bible says a strong spirit of a man will sustain him in his infirmity. Why is that? Because the Holy Spirit, Romans 8, 11, he is down on the inside of me. It says, if the spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, do you know when Jesus came out of that tomb, the power that was released, that same power lives and dwells in you. And if he lives in you, he, the Bible says he will quicken your mortal body by his spirit that's on the inside of you. That word quicken means he will heal your mortal body. He will restore it to health. Even that very word denotes a progression. He will make, that word also means he will make whole your physical body. Why is that important to God? Because you need to be strong to serve him. Right? Now remember, we serve God in our relationship with each other and with being light in the world. Now, we're his servants, but with our relationship with him, we're his children, right? But we want to serve him because we're down here such a short time. And I want to yield all of my fruit in my season. So I've got to be in the right place at the right time. But I also have to be in the right place at the right time with the right heart doing the right thing. Because, see, this isn't a no-fault gospel. This isn't one of these things, well, God says he wants me blessed, so I guess, I, you know, it's up to him to bless me. No, no, he's already done it. you got to lay hold of it. So you got to be doing the right thing. Well, if God really wanted me healed, Pastor, I'd be healed. No, that's not true. Because we started church about 34 minutes ago. Do you know how many people have left this planet that have died and went to hell and are lost forever. And it was never God's will. God's will is that all men be saved. Everyone who's left the planet now and has gone to hell, God didn't send them there. He honored their will for them to go there. They chose it, right? But, but literally, they literally, every sin they ever committed on the earth was already paid for by Jesus. Isn't that crazy? This is why we have to be well. We have to have enough money. We have to have enough, uh, enough of everything to just fulfill the plan of God. Well, how are we going to do that? The mighty Holy Spirit. He is the one that guides us into all spiritual truth. All spiritual truth. He is the guide. And we said this last week, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 explains this so well. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. It says, don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and then he'll direct your paths. He can do it because now you're positioned. Now, it says here, trust in the Lord. Well, who is the Lord? He is the word of God, right? Revelations tells us that Jesus' eternal name is the Word of God. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You could very simply, instead of the word Lord, you could put the word Word in there, talking about the Word of God. And, and, and for our New Testament believer, trust in the word with all of your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways, what? Acknowledge the word and the word will direct your paths. That's what we're talking about. The Bible says God's plan for your life and my life is so great we can't figure it out with our mind. We can't see it. But the word of God will show it to us and then empower us to walk it out. Isn't that good news? So we said this, the beginning of finding God's will for your life is this.
the beginning place. I make a decision. Now, I don't have to know how to do this. I just make a decision that I am going to submit to the written word of God. Right? When I do that, it places me in a position where now I'm living in his presence in fellowship with him. That's the beginning place. So many Christians are struggling because they're not willing to submit their life to the written word of God. Well, pastor, I mean, how do you submit your life to all the written word? It's whatever the Holy Spirit is dealing with you on, just don't say no to him. Now, this is what no looks like, because I've done this a lot. It doesn't, it, it's not like you just know you're supposed to be doing something. You read something in the Word, and you know you're supposed to do it. You don't just get up and go, no, I'm not doing that. We never do that. This is what we do. La, 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 la. Let me just act, let me just, I mean, you know, I know God's all-knowing and everything, but let me just kind of act like I'm just too busy. That's what we do, isn't it? Yeah. But see, what are we really doing? This is what we really do when we say no. So here I am, I'm walking, I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus. The enemy's throwing thoughts. He's trying to ignite emotions, feelings. He's trying to do, use his circumstances. And all of a sudden, I get my eyes off of Jesus. That's when I'm going to say no. When my eyes are on Jesus, I'll never say no. Right? How do I keep my eyes on Jesus? I keep the word in my heart, and I keep it always coming out of my mouth. You're not going to be able to get your eyes off Jesus if you're speaking the word. Does that make sense? So what we're doing is we're, we're, we're trying to give you some principles to make you realize this is a flow. This is not mechanical. It's a flow. So now jump over to Romans chapter 12 because we want to start talking about something. How to walk this out. How do I walk this out? How do I submit to his word, live in his presence in fellowship with him so that now the Holy Spirit can lead me and guide me? Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And at the beginning of this, now, now I'm about to say something, so everybody just think deep in your heart, I love my pastor. Because <laughs> this first statement is, oh man, are you kidding me, right? Here's Paul talking to the Romans, and he's telling them, this is exactly how you walk in victory in every area of your life. What do you do? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, what? That you present yourself a living sacrifice. Think of how crazy that is for a man who was a Pharisee. Paul was a Pharisee. He studied under the most, the, well, from history, considered the, the rabbi that walked in the most wisdom, the most well-known rabbi, Gamaliel. He, he would have been able to quote the whole Old Testament. Paul could. He understood every sacrifice. And now, I mean, every sacrifice, there's not one living sacrifice in the Old Testament. But the first thing he's telling these guys, I want you to present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We, we see in there, sometimes it's translated spiritual worship. It literally means, which is your logical progression. When you learn certain things about God, it's a logical project, or progression to just present your body a living, holy sacrifice. You know it's living because it hurts. Your flesh doesn't like it, right? It's kind of like if you made me eat Brussels sprouts. So verse 2, it says, And do not be conformed into the, or to this world, what that word means is don't be pressed into the mold of the world. Don't, and, and here's what it really means in the Greek. Don't be pressed into the pattern of the world. But it says here, but be transformed by the renewing. This word renewing means by the renovation of your mind. How your life is transformed 
That, that word literally means to be changed. We get the word metamorphosis from it, like going changing from a caterpillar to a butterfly. How our life is transformed by the renewing of our mind. We do that so that we can prove. This word prove literally means so that we can discern. That means so that we can see and know the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Notice it's not the good, acceptable, and perfect wills of God. These are three adjectives that describe the one will that God has for your life. Now, God's will for your life will have many facets. God has a will for my life, how I'm to be as a pastor, how I'm to be as a husband, how I'm to be as a father, as a grandfather, as a friend. Every arena of my life, there's, it's all part of his plan for my life. Every time, wherever I go, there is fruit that I bump into all the time. They're, they're the fruit, and, and, and I'll have a connection. It's just everything. But how I know this is I've got to renew my mind with the Word of God. Well, in order to do that, I'm going to have to present my body a living, holy sacrifice because my body won't want me to do that, right? So this scripture, these two verses, are describing and explaining the starting point to finding God's plan for your life. So the starting point is I submit to the written word of God. That sounds a lot like present your body a living and holy sacrifice, right? This is why now we're explaining, we're explaining how to do this. We renew our mind with the word of God. So if my body rules me, according to this scripture, and there's many other ones, but if my body rules me, then I will not be able to move into God's perfect plan for my life. So I can't let my body rule me. God's word is what gives me the description of his will, not wills, but will for my life. My whole life is, can be literally, I discover who I am, I discover who God is, or I should say it in the right order. I discover who God is, so therefore I could discover who I am, and then I could discover God's plan for my life. It's all right here in the Word of God. I love it. All the aspects of knowing and following God's plan is all found in the Word. It's all found in the Word. Now that's a big statement. All the aspects of finding and walking out God's plan for your life is all found in his word. So don't think that God's plan, all the aspects of knowing and following his plan, is going to be found as I go and some prophet says, hey, Phineas, the Lord's been speaking to me about you and you're going to be this and you're going to be that and all this stuff. That's not how you know and it will not be how you follow God's plan for your life. It's found in the word. So if you, now am I saying there's no prophet's ministry? Absolutely not. As, as a matter of fact, we need more of the prophetic ministry. But we need, it, we need the right prophetic ministry, right? We, we, don't need, we don't need ladies and guys who charge admission to their meetings so that they have a staff that Googles names and finds out all kinds of information about people so that they can go, and then they have an earpiece in, and they're like, hey, you know, the Lord, your name's Zach, isn't it? <laughs> Slap that person, right? Now, 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 what's bad about that is you only have a few people like that, and you have some really good ones out there. But how you stay free and how you keep it all together is I am trusting as God, I'm going to submit to his word. I'm going to endure sound doctrine. I'm going to live in his presence and fellowship with him. And his word will be a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And oh, along that path might come this prophet that speaks a word to me. And when, it, when he speaks it, I just know because I'm full of the word, I'm like, ooh, that's God. 
Yes, I take that. Now, it doesn't help me to know and follow it, but it'll encourage me that I'm on the right track. So we keep these things and, and see, well, let me say it correctly. It, will, it doesn't cause me to know and follow it, but it will add to the equipping of me to walk it out. But see, multitudes of people are running around. I need a word so that I can know. No, 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 no. You need a word so you could be equipped. Because a fivefold ministry, all we do is equip. Does, does that make sense? We got to rightly divide these things. See, if, if the Holy Spirit is so real to you, you're going to know his voice. And then if you get another voice, because see, here's the problem. There could be this guy or this lady that's awesome, but they miss it. But what if they miss it? And you're like this little baby. You refuse to really get in the word and you're looking for a feeling. You're led by your feelings. You're not led by the word. And you take it. Yeah, I'm going to have a worldwide ministry. And, and you know, I'm supposed to go to Idaho and start a church, right? Or for me, hey, what if I get a word? You know, hey, you're supposed to go to Southern California, right down in South Orange County, right by this beach that you re Crescent Beach. Right down there, man, you got to start a church. Yes, Lord, I know right where my office will be. I could miss God completely. So we got to see pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, apostles, they equip. They equip. Okay? I don't need that's not even in my notes. So if, if that helps anybody, great. Usually when you mention the word prophet and you say things like this, it makes people mad. I got three words for you if it makes you mad. If you're online, get over yourself. That's what God says to me. So yeah, say la, right? We better get we better move on. Because yeah, we better move on. No, I'm just trying to help you. I'm your pastor. You know, that God, God. He's so clear. It's the enemy that clouds things. God is so clear, right? If you're single, guess what? It's not multiple choice who you marry. Guess what? It's not multiple choice. If you're looking for a job or a career, it's not multiple choice. There's a place. There's something for you to do. It might not be for the rest of your life, but for the next season, it'll be very specific. And you got to know that because guess what? Sometimes Christians in our circles feel like, you know, wow, I just want to enter this place of ecstasy like pastor lives in, where you know the will of God and then it's just, you just float. Oh, no, it's not like that. It's, there's Goliaths. There's fiery furnaces. Man, there's a Red Sea and an Egyptian army. There's all kinds of stuff. And all of it is under your feet, though. Amen. Amen. So let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2 because I want to I start a segment about being led by the Spirit that is so important. We're talking about don't be, or it's 1 Peter 2.21 is where we're going. 1 Peter 2 verse 21. We don't want to be conformed into the pattern of the world. We do want to be transformed into the pattern of Jesus. Okay? So look at what it says here. 1 Peter 2.21 For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. This word example means a pattern. Christ suffered for us, leaving us a pattern that you should follow his steps. This word, this phrase, that you should follow his steps, that's in the commanded tense in the Greek. So God is not suggesting that you follow in Jesus' steps, follow his pattern. He's commanding you and I to. Now, I've got to say this. It just came out of my spirit. If you've ever went to a prophetic meeting and you bought a ticket to it, that doesn't mean that person is out to lunch. Okay? 
a lot of these people, they just need to do that so that they can support their ministry. It's all good. So, right? Be led in that. So let's keep going. Colossians chapter 2 in verse 6 says this. Now, now what we're talking about, we are not to be conformed or pressed into the mold or the pattern of the world. We're, we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind into the pattern of Jesus. Colossians 2, 6 says at the first part of this verse, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in him. So if you've received Christ, how you received him, how did you receive him? By grace through faith? So how are you going to walk in him? By grace through faith. Right? So that's all that's saying. John 14, 12 says this. John 14, verse 12, he says, Verily, verily, this is Jesus talking, I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. So we're commanded to literally walk in the pattern of Jesus. We're commanded to walk just like he walked to do his very works. In John 20, 21, it says, Jesus said to them again, Peace be unto you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you in the same way. So everything of our lives on this earth, here is the bar. You and I are to walk like Jesus walked. That's kind, of a, that's kind of a high bar, right? You imagine Alstein, he, he's, he's, in a, he's, he's at a track meet. And instead of putting it up to 6'8", which he soars over, they put it up to 7'8". And we're just going to start there, you know, right? We're just going to start there, Alstein, no problem. 7'8", that's kind of a high bar. Jesus, pretty high bar, isn't it? You can't even figure out in your mind how to be like Jesus. But the Holy Spirit will guide you to do it all. How to walk in him, how to do his works, how to walk out the call on your life as he walked out the call on his life and finish the work that God sent him to do. We're going to finish the work that God sent us to do, right? Because Jesus is working in us. So the transforming part, that is the starting place of knowing God's will for my life. So let me, now we're describing it. So now I submit, I make a decision to submit to his word. Now I'm standing in his presence, united with him in fellowship. And now I literally am presenting my body a living holy sacrifice I'm keeping my flesh under, right? And I'm renewing my mind with his word so that transformation starts happening. This is what transformation looks like. I'll tell you ahead of time and then we'll back up and talk about it. The Holy Spirit's ministry in your life is real simple. He's going to come into Teresa's life and he's going to pull out of, on the outside of Teresa who she really is on the inside. That's what he does. He comes into Zach's life and he's going to pull on the outside who Zach really is on the inside. If you want to see, see we have a mirror that shows us who we are in Christ. If you want to see a picture of how awesome your spirit really is, look at the mirror. Because this is your mirror. It'll show you who you are. The world will work overtime to define you. Tell you you're not good enough, you don't have enough money, you're not smart enough, you've made too many mistakes, there is no way. But when you look in the mirror, you'll see that all that stuff is nonsense. That you're a world overcomer and that all things are possible to you because you believe. You're strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Right? 
You see who you are in Christ. You see that nothing can separate you from the love of God. You see that he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll be as he was with Moses, as he was with Jesus, as he was with David. He'll be with you. And he's always more than enough. So you see yourself, wow, I'm not a failure. I'm a world overcomer. But if you get out of looking at the mirror, you'll see things on the outside and you'll, you'll have 900 reasons to think why you can't do it. When you look in the mirror, you're like, oh yeah, I could walk just like Jesus. As a matter of fact, as I'm looking, you know, my spirit looks a lot like, as a matter of fact, my spirit looks exactly like Jesus. So now when I'm reading and meditating in the word, I'm seeing Jesus, but who else am I seeing? I'm seeing me. So I'm not just seeing David take out Goliath. I'm seeing me take out the Goliaths in my life. I'm not seeing Moses and the children of Israel walking through the Red Sea. I'm seeing me. There's no body of water that can stop me. Does that make sense? I start to see, oh my gosh, Jesus was laying hands on the sick and they were recovering. I'm starting to see me do the same thing because it's the mirror. This is what we're talking about. This is the starting place of being led by the Spirit. What is it? I must find the pattern in the Word of God. The pattern of what? I must find the pattern of Jesus in the Word of God. I must be transformed into the pattern that is set before me in the Word of God. How do I do that? By the renovation of my thinking. As I, as I choose to submit to the Word of God, now I'll start meditating in the Word. This is not a matter anymore of if I read the Word today and if I meditate on it, if, if it's first place or not. No, no, this is life to me now. It's my everything. To be transformed, you'll know when it's happening because you'll act like the pattern. You'll act just like the pattern. All of a sudden, right, Alicia's at the hospital. She's a nurse, so not, not in the hospital. She's at the hospital, right? So, so all of a sudden, she's dealing with a situation with a fellow worker that is, is hard. But she's being transformed into the pattern, so she's able to love that person, to see beyond what that person might be trying to do to her and she could love that person and pray for that person and be just like Jesus. Amen. Know just what to say. She could be literally, she could walk into the ICU and here's this unconscious person that's not doing well. And all of a sudden, just like Jesus, when he walked into the pools of Bethesda, there's just people everywhere, right? She'll know just what to do with just who to do it with. And I'm using, you know, I could go all over the place with examples, right? But this, you'll be just like Jesus. You'll be, you'll be just like Jesus when things are, they seem at their very worst, and all of a sudden you got somebody telling you, why don't you know I have the power to open this door for you, or I have the power to crucify you? And you just, just like Jesus... You look at Pilate or whoever that Pilate is in your life and you say, no, 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 no. You have no power. No man takes my life. I, I choose to lay it down and I choose to pick it back up. In other words, no matter what a circumstance or a person is saying, you respond just like Jesus. No worry. You're facing an insurmountable situation, but because you've submitted yourself to the Word of God, you're in His presence and fellowship with Him, you've, you, you're presenting your body a living holy sacrifice, and you're renovating your thinking with the Word of God, now you go to prayer and you're not begging Him to do something. You're saying, Father, here I am. I thank you that you always hear me. See, that's how Jesus lived. That's how you and I are, are, are to live. This, what am I talking about? This is being led by the Spirit of God. Isn't this better than step number one, step number two? No, no, no. 
No, this is a flow. This is not what you do. This is who you are. Oh, praise God. A pattern is anything that is designed to serve as a model or a guide. Jesus is the model. Jesus is the guide. That's why Jesus called the Holy Spirit another comforter, one who's exactly like me. He's my guide. And see, his answers come sometimes in ways you don't know about, but you'll always know it's him. Because when he has you step backwards, you got a big smile on your face because you know you're not stepping backwards. You know it's impossible for you as a child of God to go backwards because the path of the righteous is one of increase. You know when it seems so dark and you feel so alone, you know you're smiling and you're like, no, no, the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter to the full day. It doesn't say day and night. It's full day. Isn't that good news? I mean, we're not... We're not going to live in darkness, ever. I mean, enjoy the stars tonight, right? Now, I think, I think they're so cool that God probably has a way for us to live in light and still see the stars, stars maybe. Who knows? I don't know. But God has no plan for you to live in darkness. He has no plan for you to live alone. You learn that loneliness is a spirit and you'll never be alone again because you'll just tell that spirit to leave. And all of a sudden, you don't feel lonely anymore. You know he's with you. You know he's with you. If my focus is not on the pattern of Jesus, then I, it's impossible now for me to be transformed into the pattern. I have to keep my eyes on the pattern to be transformed into the pattern. Do you see that? See, that's why we don't just get in the word, we live in the word. When we, when we say, well, let's get in the word, we're just saying, let's get into another part of it because we're always in it. That's how we live as Christians. The transformation part is the renewal of our mind. You could say it this way. The transformation part is the thinking part. We got to change our thinking. As you think different, now the Holy Spirit's going to be able to pull on the outside who you really are. Do you know you're never afraid? Do you know you're never worried? That's all a result of an unrenewed mind in your flesh. It's not who you are. You never wonder if God's going to hear you or not. Not you. Nope. And the Holy Spirit will pull that out. He'll bear witness with your spirit that you're his child and that nothing could ever separate you. And nothing that you'll ever face will be bigger than who you are in him. Right thinking produces a metamorphosis in our lives that brings our true substance out. and, And what happens when your true substance comes out, it changes our character to be just like Jesus. It's how we develop our godly character, by changing our thinking. Our true substance is what's on the inside of us. This is why we're not to know each other after the flesh. We know each other after the spirit. Right? See, we don't, we're, not, we're Christians. We're not surfacy. We know each other intimately. We know who we really are. So you have a brother or sister that says something to you that's, that kind of rubs you the wrong way, or let's be real, let's say you get up on the wrong side of the bed, you get your eyes off Jesus, and all of a sudden you're saying or doing things, and you kind of sting somebody. Wouldn't it be nice for them to see you as you really are? Because really, you didn't, you, if you were in the right place, you wouldn't have done that. Right. So why don't we just choose to give everybody else a break? Because nobody can stop you, Right? I love that. I just love that. So go to 2 Corinthians because this really explains what we're talking about. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 in verse 17. As we look at the pattern, Jesus, we're changed into the pattern. This is why Satan does not want you to ever get in the word. Oh, he doesn't mind if you read a chapter here and there because you won't see anything. 
But he doesn't want you to ever hear God's word, to where it's speaking to you, because it'll, it literally will cause you to see who you really are. It says here, 2 Corinthians 3.17, Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. That means there's freedom. But we all, now, now think about that verse real quick. Wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And, and the Holy Spirit is with you forever. So will you ever not be in a place of freedom? Never. You can't ever be in a place of freedom if he's on the inside of you. Oh, Satan, it might feel like you are, but you're not. Why? Because he's with me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. I love that. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. But we all, with an open face, that word in the Greek literally means an unveiled face, beholding as in a glass... The word glass would be the equivalent to our modern day mirror. Beholding as in a mirror or a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image. So as I look at the pattern, as I'm looking at the word, look at what it says. It says that I'm changed into the same image. How? From glory to glory. Notice it doesn't say when a few lose a few. No, I'm, as, I, as I'm focused here, I'm changed into the same image from glory to glory. How? Even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So what's God's will for your life? From glory to glory. To glory to glory. That, that is the walk of faith. That is the walk of being led by the Spirit of God. That is a picture of, being, of walking in the love of God. It's everything. we got to look at the pattern. What, what is on the inside manifests out on the outside, and it's forming my Christian character. I'm acting just like Jesus because I'm one with him. Didn't Jesus pray that? Father, that they would be one, even as you and I are one. I and you, you and me, them and us, we're all one. When I bring my body, including my senses, as a living sacrifice, when I use my mind to meditate on the pattern, Jesus, then my Christian character or my Christ-likeness comes out. And I'm telling you, you want to yield all your fruit in your season? There are people that just need to see your, the you version of Jesus. And it'll cause them to run to him. Oh, it'll cause others to hate you. That's okay. They hated him. You love him anyway. They can't stop you, right? So all of this that I've just explained is the beginning place of being led by the Spirit of God. Do you see how it all fits? So what do we do? We want to run around, God, tell me what I'm supposed to do. Tell me where I'm supposed to go. Tell me this, tell me that. We're like this little child that has no understanding. God's like, Tony, it's not about what you do. I'm concerned. I, it's all about what you are. I just want you to walk out who you are. You don't have to, all you got to do is figure out who you are and follow me. That's it. All this, I want to do this, and I, how can, da, da, that'll all get you in trouble because your eyes are not on Jesus. But when you, when you start that process now, at this place, you're going to start knowing and experiencing God's will in your life. You will know if there's sickness in your body, it has no legal right. You'll know if there's poverty and lack in your life, it, you've already been redeemed from it. It has to leave. And all of heaven will back that up. If you've got some things going on and, and you, you know, you're feeling anxiety, depression, and all this stuff, you know it has no legal right. It's got to leave. Hallelujah. So what, is, what does it mean, Bible knowing? What does, it, what does it mean? Well, I know the word. What that means is simply this. 
I'm experiencing the word because it's working in me and it's manifesting out of me. People will walk around, oh, he really knows a word. He could quote a scripture. No, nah, no. A parrot can quote a scripture. But you know the word when you're experiencing it in your life because it's working in you and it's manifesting out of you. And God wants you to know the whole thing. And the Holy Spirit will lead you into all of it. All you need to do is know the word. And you'll be able to do all. Because does the Bible say, all things are possible to him who believes? And faith comes by what? Hearing God's word, right? We cannot skip this part and get to the part of knowing God's will for our life. See, this is how come I have to teach this because so many Christians are trying to figure out God's will for their life. And it doesn't work like that. You discover it. You discover it as you've made a decision that I'm going to submit to his word, which puts me in his presence and fellowship with him. And then I choose 20... See, this is a one-time decision that's carried out your whole life. I'm going to present my body a living and holy sacrifice. What that means is I'm going to beat my flesh black and blue. I'm going to tell it how it, we're going to feel today. I'm going to tell my flesh what we're going to do today, what we're going to say. It's not going to like it, and I don't care. Right? And I'm, and I'm going to renew my mind. I'm going to meditate in the Word of God day and night. That means as I, as I walk, I'm going to be a doer of the Word. I just keep it ever before me. Yeah. I'm meditating in it day and night. And when I'm in this place, in this position now, the Holy Spirit is able to bring on the outside who I am on the inside. And now I'm knowing the word because it's working in me and it's manifesting out of me. I'm See, how do you know the word? Because you're experiencing it. Not in theory, you're experiencing it. It's not a theory that God's my healer. I'm experiencing it because it's working in me and it's manifesting out of me. Same thing in every area. God's one will for your life that has many facets. Go to Mark chapter 4, verse 35. I just want to read this story. It's six verses that shows what happens when you lose sight of the pattern. Okay? It says, on, and the same day, Mark chapter 4, verse 35... And the same day when the evening was come, he said unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. So Jesus told the disciples, guys, we're on this side of the sea. We're going to pass over to the other side. Now we know from other scriptures, the reason why Jesus would have said that is because his father said, Jesus, I want you to go to the other side. So when Jesus said, we're going to the other side, that's God's word. So what that means is God's word cannot fail there's nothing that could ever keep them from going to the other side. And then, but this is what happens in all of our lives. Verse 36, And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the, in the ship, and there were also, other, or also with him other little ships. And there arose a great, this, the wording is real interesting, a great storm of wind. And the waves beat into the ship so that the ship was now full. So they were in a large ship, and it was full. You could imagine what was happening in the little ships, the little boats, right? So, so do you see it? Have you ever in your life had a word from God? Wait, the word says, by his stripes I'm healed. But you've got a great storm of pain, symptoms in your body. What are they designed to do? It's the enemy trying to get your eyes off the pattern. So they have Jesus in the boat with them, but the outside stuff is really starting to get bad. All of us have lived here, right? So it says here, and he, verse 38, was in the hinder part of the ship, 
asleep on a pillow. Why? Well, because his father told him to go to the other side. So he's at rest. Right? And they awake him and say unto him, Master, don't you care that we perish? You would think that they would say, hey, hey, Jesus, can you save us? But when you're in fear, you say stupid things, right? And he arose, rebuked the wind, said unto the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, even the, that even the wind and the sea obey him? See, the disciples lost sight of Jesus, the pattern. The natural circumstances became greater in their sight than what Jesus spoke to them. Do you see that? So this is what happened. This was Jesus' word. And here were their circumstances, and as the storm got worse, eventually it did this, and now Jesus' words aren't moving them, they're being moved by the circumstances. Okay, So this is the story. Satan demonstrates things in the natural, physical realm for the purpose of keeping us out of God's will. As Satan presents these things in the natural, physical world around me, it will tell me whether or not my eyes are on the pattern or whether or not they're on the natural circumstances. You'll always know. How will you know? Because when the mountain comes in your life and you get your eyes off Jesus, you'll want to run around and talk to everybody about the mountain. But when, you're, when your eyes are on Jesus, you will talk to the mountain. Do you see that? This is how you know. When the natural physical circumstances loom greater, more dangerous and threatening than what God's word has spoken to us, we will stop looking at the pattern, Jesus, and start looking at our circumstances. See, the disciples were more afraid of the wind and waves than they were who they, than who they had in the boat. And that, that could happen to us. Why, the reason why I want to finish with this is the enemy's going to bring circumstances. It's all designed just to get your eyes off Jesus. That's all it is. You've already won. When we allow fear to enter, see, in order for fear to enter, faith has to have already left. When we follow the pattern, we'll always speak to the storm. Why? Because everything Jesus created, he's the creator of everything, everything is subject to him. When we transform into the pattern of Jesus, the same things become subject to us. Well, what becomes subject to us? When Jesus came out of the tomb, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven, on this earth, and under the earth. And then he gave him the use of his name. And he said, now you go in my name. So we walk in that same authority that he's given it to us. Hallelujah. We follow the pattern. And now we experientially know him in every arena of our life. We follow the word. And now we will experientially know the word in every arena of our life. Because... We're experiencing it in our life. It's working in us and manifesting out of us. We are now in a position for Jesus to reveal his plan for our life and show us step by step how to walk it out. Do you realize that most believers never get past the storms in their life so God's never able to show them or lead them into their path? And they never get very far down the road there. So we've got to realize, I've got to keep my eyes on the pattern. This is huge. I've got to read one more scripture to you. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says this, in closing, 
Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. So step number one, you have to see that you are surrounded with other believers. We've got them in heaven looking down, excited, but you got to understand you don't do this alone. You got to know. Wherefore, seeing, see, I, I see that I'm compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. I'm not alone. I've got all of you guys that are full of faith, full of the love of God, full of the Spirit of God that are walking with me and I'm walking with you. That helps me lay aside every weight. That word weight means every burden, every hindrance. And also to lay aside the sin that so easily besets us. See, this word beset, it literally means that so easily it presses me on all sides so that I get entangled. And it's, it's, really, it's really easy for me to get entangled in it so that getting out of that is difficult. When I think of this, I think of, I think of a running back. Have you ever watched an NFL football game? Here's this running back, man. This guy is going through a line, and he's got all these gorillas trying to rip his arms off, rip his legs off. They're grabbing onto him, and he's fighting. That's the way sin is. It presses you on all sides so that escape is difficult. But here's the thing. You have the greater one on the inside of you. Have you ever seen a running back when they slow it down? What makes them great is they can see a hole before it's ever there. And, and man, all of a sudden they'll start cutting this way and the momentum of these players are going in a direction where they get just enough to get through. That's what the Holy Spirit will do. He'll always tell you which way to go. He'll always tell you what to say, what to do. He'll make sure you could hit that hole so that you can lay aside these hindrances and, and lay aside these sins. And it says, and then, and let us run with patience. This, this is endurance. This is, it's a patience that endures under trial. I run the race that is set before me with endurance. How can I have endurance? Because I've laid aside all the hindrances and I've laid aside all the sin. How can I do that? I see that I'm not alone. Right? Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. How do I run? Looking unto Jesus, the, who is the author and finisher, it says, of our faith. The word our is in italics in the King James Version because it's not in the original. Because it's not our faith, it's his faith. Looking unto Jesus, the author, the finisher. This word finisher means the developer. It doesn't mean the finisher. I don't know that our faith will ever fully develop. A million years from now, we're probably going to be walking in a greater faith because it's, it's not our faith, it's God's faith. The author and finisher of faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied. That means be sick and faint. That means exhausted in your mind. Do you see the transforming part? It's all our thinking. So we got another piece. Next week I want to come back and I want to put another real big piece. God, over 30 times in the New Testament, it talks about we walk with a clear conscience. Conscience, your conscience is the voice of your spirit. It's how your spirit expresses itself, right? Reason is the voice of your mind. It's how your mind expresses itself. Feelings are the voice of your body. It's how your, it's how your body expresses itself. God wants you to live. Being led by the spirit of God is all about keeping a clean and clear conscience and we're going to talk about how to do that because God has set it all up so that we can do it we don't want our conscience cluttered your conscience could get cluttered like a drawer a closet right <coughs> that right you know we don't want that we want we want all clutter out 
One of the reasons why I am the way I am is I just don't, I can't have clutter anywhere. If you walked in my office, you'd never think I did anything. Right? I mean, I keep clutter out of my life. Why? Because it helps me spiritually. Because I got to keep my conscience clear. All Jesus ever talks to me about all the time, give that to me. Don't ever think about that again. Give this person to me. If I start caring about somebody too much, you give them to me. You, you travel light. Because you got to travel light to be sensitive. Amen. Amen.